This is the Balancing Act by Security Compass, your guide to going fast while staying safe in today's digital world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast today. Our guest is Spencer Cope. Thank you very much for joining us today, Spencer. Appreciate your time. Yeah, sure. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk right now on reactive, proactive, and there seems to be this debate happening all over the place. And I think it, it might be useful for us to go in and to perhaps have a discussion today. What does it mean when we talk about being proactive and reactive and kind of what's the mindset? You know, can we talk a little bit about maybe, you know, let's start with compliance. What, what happens with compliance when we're reactive compared to when we're more proactive? Yeah, so I, I think compliance, a lot of people use co the compliance as kind of the heavy stick of, well, we have to do these things because some industry body or some like best practice says that we should be doing these things. Um, I, I would say it's not really, it's neither reactive nor proactive because it's more of a, you're going to do these things anyway. And that kind of has two full problems in, in my perspective, is that it doesn't, it doesn't help drive towards solving a problem that is a engineering focus. So it's more of a regulatory, like thou shalt do these things, which, you know, you might run into uh, hearts and minds problems with like developers. Well, like the compliance group says that we should be doing it, but it doesn't help our our product or it doesn't impact anything that's measurable from an engineering standpoint. So you have a hearts and minds kind of problem. And then the other one is that you fall, I've seen a lot of people fall into this trap of you are now doing an activity because compliance says you should, but does it actually provide any benefit? You know, if you're doing a, a SAS scan and you're, you're getting all of the false positives, does that actually mean you're doing good because you found all those false positives or are you actually helping to proactively identify bugs which then actually you know, results in a code fix that, that is meaningful rather than employing a, a SAT scanner and somebody to go and check the box. Yeah, these are all false positives. So I, I think it's more of a, you know, the compliance, you gotta be very careful that it's not just checking that box and doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, yeah, so suddenly now it's like, you know, using that as sort of a baseline, but then seeing what we can do in many cases to go beyond, because a standard is essentially what is, what would be sort of required to do at a bare minimum, and then you kind of build on top of that, right? So, so let's, let's dig into the sort of the developer space a little bit here. So developers come in, they create code, they've got their CI/CD pipelines, they do code scans, and there's a wide range of opinions about using code scanners specifically in the development space. Uh, on the one hand, we've got code scanners uh, that get implemented, but developers essentially revolt against it because it's just too noisy. We've got others that'll come in and say, we use it as part of what we do. But in the context of agility, in the context of being proactive about this stuff, can you talk a little bit, Spencer, about you know, your thoughts on code scans and developers and how these kind of play together? Yeah, it's kind of hard to have a one size fits all because if you've got, so, so like in my shop, if I have a code scan that runs for half an hour, that is going to be uh, very much frowned upon and not a good thing. But if your compile times usually take 30, 45 minutes, like you're a C++ shop, maybe that's okay and that's fine. So I think it's, it's hard to say black and white, like how that, how that falls. But I think my, my perspective that I have whenever I go and try to implement something like this is, will I be able to drive value? Will it help me scale as an AppSec engineer? Right. And if I'm spending a lot of time like generating reports or doing false positives or like sinking a lot of effort into maintaining the tool just for maintaining the tool's sake, then that's not a good fit. You know, and I don't, I don't necessarily like the like dollar attribution towards it is 
it's something that you need to be very careful of because it's oftentimes these like code scanners can be quite expensive mm -hmm. or you're looking at you know you implement an open source solution but it takes a lot of effort to maintain so you're trading like the the commercialization like the standard commercialization versus operations trade-off from a budgetary standpoint yeah so I, I think it's more you know you should do something something something's definitely better than nothing but it's that it's this is where the the tool doesn't always solve the problem it's interacting with your developers it's discussing with them like hey what makes sense hey how can we you know embed framework type like like things that consistently patterns that make sense those those are the big wins but just like saying that we've got a we've got a job in our ci that does a scan and we're good that that is not winning that is that is the gets back to that compliance element like you want to be able to make sure that you're empowering those developers. They've got the tools to do, do good stuff and you're not getting in, in their way. I think that's extremely paramount because otherwise it's just not gonna work. Yeah, interesting. So, so this brings up the whole discussion around tools now. So Spencer, you know, tools are there to help, to assist, but sometimes we kind of throw the workload to these tools, hoping that they're going to catch something yeah. and then they kind of bring it back to us. And now we've got to sift through all these things because they're based on certain algorithms, which may create false positives. And so we've got some of these challenges that exist. So what advice would you give to say an app dev team that is thinking of implementing a code scanner? Now they've heard that these code scanners can be useful. They want to make sure that they're doing what they can to, to do things securely. How, what should they be thinking about? Well, definitely baby steps is the first thing they should be thinking about. So I'll give you kind of like an anecdotal reference here at Reddit. So we implemented uh, DLint, which is a, a great open source Python scanner from the guys over at Duo Labs. And we implemented that. And the first thing, if we run that against our monolith, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of stuff that's in there. And that's a very bad candidate for starting with doing things along that line. But what is more interesting is, is getting it like a brand new app, like starting from scratch, getting something in like a like a like DLint or any other of your your SAS based scanners those that that scenario works really well because you can you can get it on the ground and start building with them rather than trying to address the 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 enormous backlog of things like it's either tech debt or misconfiguration or whatnot like that's that's the best place to start and then getting feedback from the devs maybe maybe using that tool isn't the best Maybe there's, there's some technology challenges that you've got. Maybe it's a workflow challenge. Like the developers really hate how long it takes in the CI. Maybe they really hate how they get the reports back. Like you're generating a PDF and shipping them a report. Like that sounds really terrible. You know, here at Reddit, we put everything within GitHub. Like if it's not within the, the PR task to provide that immediate developer feedback, don't do it because we don't need another console for folks to log into. We don't need another report generator. Like you've got to be living in that workflow. Um, and I think every AppSec engineer, if you're doing AppSec, you got to have experience with whatever SCM you're using, whatever CICD you're using, get hands on to understand the pain that can sometimes be you providing, like, I want to do this test. You should understand how painful it is to implement, to maintain, to actually operate and then you know, dog food it, run your code through that PR process. If you're adding an exorbitant amount of time, like maybe just don't, don't do that thing. Focus on something else. I think there's a lot of acronyms that we've got nowadays in the application security space that you can pick kind of what works best for your environment. So like, like DAST is really a, a cumbersome beast here at Reddit. We will not do that because like you could crawl Reddit for a million years. 
So, you know, f picking, picking a technology that will get you good bang for the buck and then optimizing on that, that you know will actually work, that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think therein lies the value here, right? So it's suddenly the conversation shifts towards what is in fact the most efficient way to do this, which is what the Agile and Lean folks have been talking about all along, right? <laughs> if you're going in there and you put a tool in place, if that tool isn't helping to make you more lean, isn't making things more efficient, but it's in instead it's creating some kind of a backlog, then, then you've got a problem on your hands. And we haven't quite thought through the, the value that this tool would offer in the process. So I just wanted to say, Spencer, thank you very much for your time as always, appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, thanks. Can't get enough of the balancing act? Make sure to check out our website at www.securitycompass.com and be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts for more episodes. <laughs>